0: Jesus, thank you so much, God, as we come before you. We just continue to worship you, Lord, as we study your word, and we thank you, God, that you are here already. And, Lord, as you warmed our hearts, God, as we have bowed before you and surrendering all to you, God, I ask that you would speak to us, Lord. God, there is none like you. God, there is no one like you. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. You're sweet. You are our Jesus, Lord, that we love so much, and help us, Lord, to know you more to get to know you in a deeper way more than ever before as we go through your word today. And I ask God that your Holy Spirit will now speak, that you anoint your word, God, and you are blessed this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, today we continue our series uh, called Seven Names of God. Seven Names of God. Now, this is part two. And I told you guys last time that I might do two parts, maybe three. Well, we're going to be doing three. So we did part one last week. If you missed it, you can uh, listen to the podcast. You can go online on our YouTube channel. But we're going to be doing part two today on the seven names of God. Now, a while back, I came across some real people with names that match their job it matches the work that they do. And uh, I like this. There's a butcher, and this is for real. His name is actually Brad Slaughter. How do you like that? There's a lawyer, and her name is actually Sue. Here's the first name. You know what her last name is? You, <laughs> Y-O-O. Sue Yu. Uh, this optometrist uh, his name is Dr. Stephen, but he has a middle initial of I. So if you look at his name on the, on, on the, on the door, it says Dr. Stephen I. Ball. He's an optometrist here. Someone said that they had a music teacher named Miss Fiddle, and who amazingly got married, and then her name changed to Mrs. Horn. <laughs> A dental hygienist was actually, her name was Carol Moeller. A public relations manager who worked at McDonald's Corporation, uh, their name was Zoe Hamburger. How you, how, I mean, how does that come to pass, yeah? Lastly, there's a chiropractor, and his name is Dr. Lee Popwell. <laughs> now, how's that? Their name actually matches the work they do. But you know, that's the idea. As we go through the seven names of God, we find name, the names of the Lord in the Bible and they reflect who he is and the work that he does, how he works in our life. So again, the title of our message today is the seven names of God. And this is part two. Now, last time we went over Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha and Jehovah Nisi. But today we're going to go over two more, and actually two others after that. But today we're going to go over Jehovah Shalom, and number two, Jehovah Shammah. And that's our outline today, Jehovah Shalom and Jehovah Shama. So let's begin with the first name for today, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shalom. And here we find our text on this subject. Uh, on this name in Judges chapter 6. And we're going to be going over verses 21 through 24 this morning in Judges 6. So take a look with me here now, Jehovah Shalom. First of all, verses 21 through 23, it says, the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes, and the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then verse 23, But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Now we begin here with Gideon, dramatically finding out that the one he's, he's, he's speaking to, the one before him, is actually really Jehovah God. And so we come into the story in this way. Now, now this is tough times in Israel that's going on. Uh, they've abandoned God. They're worshiping idols. And, and even at the end of this book in Judges chapter 21, the very last verse, it says, Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Moses had passed away Joshua brought Israel into the land now jo- and they they took most of the promised land and then Joshua passed away and this is where we come into the book of Judges where there was really no no leader there's really no one really going around uh, uh following the Lord they're going after the idols in the land and everyone did what was right in their own night their own eyes. Now, this book is really about this cycle of rebellion and repentance. After suffering from the consequences of their sin, uh, Israel cries out to God and then the, in their pain and then God like graciously, He comes to them and He saves them. And then when things start going really good for them, then again, they abandon God. They turn their backs on the Lord and they get back into this this cycle of of consequences of sin. And then they're suffering and pain and all, all of that. And they cry out to God and then God saves them again. Now, in the middle of one of these cycles, when Israel had hit rock bottom, cried out to God, the Lord now calls Gideon to be the next Judge. That's why it's called judges or, or the next leader of the nation to rescue the people from the enemy, from the situation they're in, because that's what would happen. These enemy countries would come in, take over the land. They would suffer under that. And so God's calling Gideon now to be this next judge, to save the people from the enemy, the Midianites, the Midianites, to lead uh, and then Gideon's to lead the people back to God again. So, so that's, that's the setting here. That's the background that's going on. Now, interesting thing, the word Midian, and this is the enemy of Israel at the time. Interesting is the word Midian means strife. And what's been going on for seven years now Seven years at every harvest time the Midianites would swoop in like locusts it says in this chapter, and they'll ravage the land, they'll take the, the crops of the Israelites, they'll take their livestock, and they'll just come in and just just ravage them and take over. And and, and so at this time Israel is actually living in caves in the mountains in fear. They're stressed out. They're worried about when where food is gonna come. Uh, from you know how they're going to provide for themselves and there's you can say no peace at all they're filled with fear worry they've been defeated continue for seven years now they've been living this way and the midianites have come and made a whole mess of their lives you know just stopping right there i was thinking about you know sometimes we can feel that way right we can feel like whoa and maybe that's how you feel right now with the world and what's going on with with things in our, our election now and maybe, maybe you know I was reading an article that there's some election depression kinda of going on. But whatever whatever you you believe, whether you're celebrate it's a celebration or depression, whatever it is, I mean sometimes life itself can make us feel this way. I think of how my own sin and the consequences of my own sin can make a mess of things. And there's strife and stress and pressure. Or think about how the devil comes in and attacks like these Midianites attacking. Or think about how the world can be so vicious, so evil in the things that they do. And, and we can be, a, be like that too. We feel like just running away in fear and just hiding in a cave and worried about all this that's going on. Well, the Lord hears the cry of Israel. And so he calls Gideon to step up. Now, the first of three signs to confirm his calling to be this judge, this leader of of the nation. The Lord comes in here. And what we read was the Lord touches the sacrifice, basically with this holy fire. And it just consumes the sacrifice like that. It burns up. And that's what we were reading here in uh, verse uh, 20, 21 here, right? Uh, he comes in touch, fire springs up and consumes the meat and all. And then verse 22, Gideon also perceives, he, he comes into this full uh, mind of what's going on. He realizes now that he's come face to face, verse 22, with the Lord. This angel of the Lord, really, I believe it's speaking of a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. It, it, it's It's Jesus before he came to this earth, so uh, many times in the old testament Old Testament when you say angel of the lord that that's Jesus before he came to the earth in the New Testament so here's the Lord here, and he's come face to face with the holy God. There's a holy fire that consumed the sacrifice, and now he's face to face with the holy God. I was thinking maybe on his mind is Exodus 3320. It says, You cannot the Lord is speaking, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. So you can imagine now all of a sudden Gideon is in full realization that whoa this is God in front of me, especially when the sacrifice goes up like that. So, he's in fear. That's why it says in verse 22, then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Alas, oh, I've seen face to face, you know, and he's totally in fear here. But the Lord, verse 23, said to him, Peace, shalom, be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. So the Lord assures Gideon by saying, Peace, shalom, is the Hebrew word. In other words, you're not going to die. You see me face to face. And it's like, to me, it's like God, God saying, uh, he didn't say, God did not say, shame on you. You know, you sinner, there. shame on you to, to approach me in that way. But he said, shalom to you. So look what happens next in verse 24. Then Gideon built an altar there, like a memorial, there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day it stands at, at Ophrah, which uh, belongs to the Abarites there in Israel in the northern territory of um, Manasseh there. so got, So Gideon makes this memorial and he calls it the Lord is Peace. And guess what that is in Hebrew? Jehovah Shalom, basically. Yahweh Shalom there. Now, this is what... Jehovah Shalom means the Lord is peace or I'm going to personalize this. The Lord is your peace. And this is what Gideon found. Can you imagine what's going on inside of Gideon? Can you imagine like, like the joy? I'm not dead. I'm living here. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, Gideon had casually just come converse with God, right? This is Jehovah. This is Yahweh. This is the Lord God. And he's just talking like... Ah. And then earlier in this chapter, you know, Gideon actually complained. He's like, how come we're going through all this? How come Israel's going through this? Why is it like this? I mean, I feel like you guys, ab- I feel like God, you abandon us. God has abandoned us. And he's like totally complaining there. And then God calls Gideon in this chapter. And then Gideon questions the Lord. He says, "What?" the Lord comes to him actually and he says, hey, you mighty hero. And Gideon's like, what? Who are you talking to? You, I want to use you to deliver the people from the Midianites. And and Gideon's like, what? Me? I, 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 I'm the least. I'm nobody. You want to use me? Plus, I come from the, my tribe is the weakest of all the 12 tribes of Israel. And he's questioning God. He complains to God. He's talking casually with them. He questions God. So think of how Gideon felt when when, when, when the fire went out, consumed the sacrifice, all of a sudden he's like, whoa, you know, I'm sure he felt that conviction of disrespecting God. Probably Gideon's looking at that burnt sacrifice that had just vaporized like that, going, uh-oh, right? I'm before the holy God. But Jehovah, the Lord God, pronounced Shalom. Peace to you. No worries here, Gideon. So, Gideon made a memorial and to this event and what God is going to do, he called it Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. Now, I want to give you two ways that, that I want to pull out of here. Two ways that Jehovah is your shalom. Jehovah is your shalom. And number one is this. God makes the peace between you and him. God makes the peace between you and him. And that's the first thing I want you to see. And it really relates to what I just talked about. Turn over into the New Testament now to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse 10. So Romans chapter 5 verse 10. Like last week when we're turning a little more in our Bibles this morning and It'll kinda help you get to know where these books and where these scriptures are. But a lot of it is I want you to see these scriptures for yourself for your own with your own eyes in your own Bibles, whether it's on your phone or your Bible. So Romans chapter five and look at verse ten. It says here, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now we are reconciled uh, we shall we be saved by his life. So the Apostle Paul's writing here, but notice he says that the first part says, for if while we were enemies, so we were enemies of God. Did you know that? In our BC days, you know what that means, right? Before Christ's days, right? We were rebellious toward God because of our sin. We were hostile before God. I mean, we were content to live in that sin. We didn't care how it affected God. So we are, in a sense, an enemy of God. Yet, God sent His Son to die for our sins and to save us. And that's really what verse 8 says. But God chose His love for us. Here in chapter 5, Romans, verse 8. God chose His love for us. And now, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were enemies, yet Christ still died for us. And now... Back to verse ten. Well, we were enemies. We were now. No, no more are we enemies. Matter of fact, look at verse one. If you look at verse one of Romans chapter five, Paul writes: Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we put our faith in His salvation, the cross, and everything's done. We have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. There's that peace we have with. God. We're no longer in battle with God. We're no longer enemies of God. We are at peace with God. We are uh, at peace between God and us. And that's why God makes the peace between you and Him. That's the idea here. And that's just like what we saw in, in Judges 6, right? With Gideon, right? He, he, he could have been vaporized just like that sacrifice, but the Lord said, hey, peace. No worries. I'm not going to vaporize you. It's okay. Peace between us now. Even though you disrespect me, even though you said all these things, even though you're a sinner, no no man can really stand before a holy God. You know what? Peace. No worries here. And no wonder Gideon was, oh, this is a great moment. I got to make this memorial here. Well, that's what we see in Christ Jesus. Jesus had through his sacrifice. Now, those who are in him have peace with God. I read how someone had, uh, one of those um, quote coaches in high school who motivated their, their, his players with that old school screaming and shaming, you know, the players and everything. And um, I was thinking, I was reading about that. I was thinking, oh yeah, I, I had a coach like that, you know. And his voice, their writing was only heard when you did something wrong. Practice would come to a halt. The yelling, the, the berating would begin when you did something wrong. And, and they were like, you always felt like he was against you. Like even you're on the opposing team. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you guys, I remember some coaches, you know, like that. Well, you know what? As human beings, we tend to transfer those kinds of experiences to the Lord. You know what we think many times? God is out to get me. God is out to get me. He's like that angry coach that I had, just waiting for me to make that mistake and fill his quota of of revenge or retaliation and and for what I did wrong. But know this today. Look at what Romans 5 is talking about, that we are justified in Christ. We're no longer enemies, verse, verse 10. No longer. We were. We're no longer now. But now he's brought you onto his side. You know where we are? Team Jesus, guys. We're on Team Jesus. He is Jehovah Shalom. And you have peace with God. So God makes the peace between you and Him. Isn't that great to know? Let's go to number two now. The second thing I want you to see is God gives the peace that flows into your life. God gives the peace that flows life into your life now gideon is looking forward to the lord uh really being there for him being his strength and he and he's still kind of doubtful so i asked for some different fleeces and you can read the story later but the main thing he has is joy and his peace now that knowing that god is there he's peace and that only means god's going to take care of the problem in the land i mean again for seven years now the people have not had any peace They've been anxious and stressed out here. But Gideon now is beginning to see the Lord is going to bring peace into the land. And this is the peace of God that God brings. Now, I was thinking about, sometimes we have our own Midianites, right? In our land, in our lives that are stressing us out. Is that for you today? I mean, what are you worried about right now? What is pressuring you? What is, what, is, what is that going on inside of you? Know this, that God wants to give you peace. All you need to do is go to Him and He wants to give you that peace. If you can turn over to uh, John, John chapter 14, John 14, verse 27. John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus is speaking here in John chapter 14:27. He says, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid." Perhaps this is a word to you this morning. Jesus is speaking, "Peace. Peace, Shalom I leave with you. Peace, it's my peace. I give to you. And understand that when we talk about the peace, this peace that we have, right, that that God gives us, it's the peace of God. It's His peace that He gives to us and flows into us and flows out of us and resides there. It's not like what the world gives. I mean, the world peace is set upon situations. Yeah, Things are going good. Well, I feel more at peace, you know. But not the world, how the world looks at it, but it's a peace that God gives himself. It's a peace that's not affected by what's going on in on the outside. Now, in the ancient times, the the Hebrews actually, the Jews actually greet each other and say shalom. They'd say hello that way. They say goodbye that way. Sort of like here in Hawaii, we say aloha right they would use shalom in that way they greet each other shalom to you or say bye with shalom see understand for them shalom was deeper than just the word peace maybe in what we would think about here actually our english language uh our our english word for it it does not do it justice i mean it means more just uh, if you look up in the dictionary that peace is an absence of conflict it's more than that. It talks about, it speaks about your well-being. It speaks about uh, having this sense of security. It speaks about how things are going to be okay, no matter what's going on. It speaks about, uh, uh, about being a good or in, in that sense of calmness, both on, on way inside and outside and everything in our whole being. And it speaks about that quietness of our soul. You know, it's deeper than our emotions. It's deeper than physically, you know, uh, maybe what we're doing in our good in our health. It's deeper than our mind at rest. It's set deep within your soul. This shalom is the peace of God that the Lord gives to us and flows through us. Understand you can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. Because it comes from the Lord. It's that connection. But when you have peace with God, you now have access to the peace of God. Know that today. I read a story, a true story, a man named Horatio Spafford. He went through many storms in his life. Um, His only son died of scarlet fever in 1870. His investment in real estate in 1871 burned to the ground. In 1873, two years later, he was totally devastated when he lost his four daughters when they died in a shipwreck in the Atlantic. Later he he was on a boat en route to Europe to meet his wife who had survived that shipwreck and he was shown the spot in the Atlantic Ocean where his daughters had perished. And suddenly, he was overwhelmed by this supernatural peace. It was the peace of God. With tears streaming down his face, Spafford picked up a pen and wrote down how he felt as the peace just entered into his soul, flowed into him from Jehovah Shalom. And you know what he wrote? You guys know? He wrote this. It's a hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Did you know that? That's how that hymn came to be. That's how that song came to be we sing today in a modern way. It came through a flood of the peace of God from Jehovah Shalom into his soul after all that happened. Have you lost that kind of peace? Perhaps maybe it's because you wandered away from God. Listen to what Isaiah 48:18 says. It says all oh, that you had Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river. Why is Isaiah saying that to Israel? Because our connection to God is how we get the peace of God. When we have peace with God, we can have the peace of God. I don't know where you are at today. I don't know where you're at, maybe connected online, but it's time to get back to Jesus. It's time to connect him. It's time to get right with him so that that peace of God can flow into your heart and into your life like a river. Maybe you've drifted away. Maybe maybe you've gone but but you know what? you've lost then the source of that peace. Do you want that peace? Let's let's get connected to Jesus through His blood, through His forgiveness, through His cleansing. Get, get with the Lord and get tight with Him and guess what? Then you'll get the peace of God. And like Philippians 4, 7 says, when we pray and give Him all our worries and all, then the peace that passes all understanding doesn't make sense because it comes from God and it's within, can keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's your Jehovah. Shalom. Let's go to number two now. or uh, Actually, a fourth of the seven names of God. But number two in our outline, Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah. And for this, turn over to Ezekiel now. Ezekiel chapter 48. It's the last chapter in the book of Ezekiel. So if you hit Daniel, uh, keep going a little bit more to the left. It's um, after Jeremiah and Lamentations and all um after isaiah but ezekiel chapter 48 ezekiel chapter 48 now we're going to look at the end of the chapter from verses 30 through 35 verses 30 to 35 ezekiel 48 let's read together here ezekiel 48 verse 30 48 30 it says these shall be the exits of the city On the north side, which is to be 4,500 cubits by measure. By the way, that's like one and a half miles. Three gates, the gate of Reuben, the gate of Judah, the gate of Levi, the gates of the city being named after the tribes of Israel. Then verse 33, on the east side now, uh, you goes from north to the east side, which is to be 4,500 cubits, a mile and a half. Three gates, the gate of Joseph, the gate of Benjamin, and the gate of Dan. Then on the south side, which is to be 4,500 cubits by measure, three gates, the gate of Simeon, the gate of Issachar, and the gate of Zebulun. And then verse 34, on the west side, which is to be 4,500 cubits, three gates, the gate of Gad, the gate of Asher, and the gate of Naphtali. So we see here that on the wall here of the city is gates with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel all the way around. And then verse 35, the circumference of this city shall be 18,000 cubits, which is like six miles around. And then look, and the name of the city from that time shall be the Lord is there. Now what's being described here at the end, uh, Ezekiel's uh, had a vision uh, since about chapter 40 of, of the millennial temple. And then now The millennial temple sits inside this millennial Jerusalem. And this is what Ezekiel is looking at in this prophecy, in this vision. Now, as you know, we have the rapture, we have the tribulation. After that, the second coming of Christ. And then Christ sets his rule and reign on earth. And and there's a new temple. Everyone from the world goes to worship there. And the temple sits inside this city here. And this is the millennial Jerusalem. And so on the gates of the twelve tribes. But in verse 35, it tells us that the city from that time shall be called the Lord is there. And that is Jehovah Shammah. Now, when it says the Lord is there, it means that God is there. It means that God is there and also means that God is here and God is there everywhere That's the idea here in all of this. The Lord is there, Jehovah Shammah. And for me, I see it this way. I've been praying this. I told you I've been praying the names of God. I've been praying that the Lord is ever present. That Jehovah Shammah means the Lord is ever present. So here we see the name of Jerusalem, which Jerusalem actually means the city of peace, right? Shalom, Jerusalem. Right? It's a city of peace, but now it's gonna be changed. The Lord is there, the Lord is ever present, the Lord is everywhere, the Lord is really because literally in the millennial time, Jesus Christ God will be there, literally physically on the earth. He's gonna be right there ruling and reigning, and people are gonna be coming to worship all over in the world. So we see God's abiding presence is right there, and that's why it's gonna be called the Lord is there, Jehovah Shammah. Now, understand something. Today, for us right now, we know that God is spiritually ever-present, right? I mean, in the millennial time, certainly God will be there for sure. I mean, literally be there on the planet, on this planet. But right now, we know God is spiritually ever-present. You know what the technical term is? Do you know what that is? The omnipresence. Of God, right? Omni meaning all, so all present, omnipresence. I don't know if you heard that word, but that means that God is everywhere. God is present everywhere. I read about a skeptic philosopher once asked, where is God? And the Christian asked, answered, where is he not? I like that. Spiritually, he's everywhere. So, our last point is this. Jehovah Shama means God is everywhere. Ever present in your life. Know that. Know that. God is ever present. God is there always in your life. Turn over to the left to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41. If you turn to the left. A couple of books uh, over. Lamentations, Jeremiah, and then um, Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah 41. And this is a great promise. And you guys know this verse is probably already underlined and highlighted. But Isaiah 41, verse 10. It says here, fear not. For what? I am with you. Right? What does it say? I am with you. The Lord is with you. No, no reason to be afraid. He's ever-present. He's your Lord Shama. He's Jehovah Shama, And he says, Be not dismayed, verse 10. Don't, don't be distressed. Don't be discouraged. Don't, don't be all like, Ah, stressed out and everything. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He's right there holding you up. He's right there, there for you, being there. The Lord is there. No matter where you go, you leave this place, you go home, guess what? The Lord is there. You get in your car, you're driving, guess what? The Lord is there. Sometimes we think, oh, well, God is in the church, you know, this is, this is just a building, you know. You know? Sometimes we think, oh, well, I got to get to God. I got to get to church. And maybe in a sense, it's a good place to go and worship and seek the Lord. But know this. You, if you drive downtown, you know what? He's ever-present. Jehovah Shammah. Know this, you guys. You know what I think about? I think about, listen, when the angel told Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 that Mary is pregnant with the Messiah God. And the angel said, You know what? He's going to be called Jesus. He's going to be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Hey, Christmas is coming. Emmanuel, you guys. God with us. So Jesus is with you right there. And we know the first Hebrews, right? 13:5. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus is ever present in any situation. Nothing's going to stop that. No, not no storm, yeah. not no trials, not no trouble, nothing at all. Jesus is ever present in any situation. When you feel alone, think about this, Jehovah Shammah. When, when, when you're going through maybe a breakup in a relationship, Jehovah Shammah. When you get bad news from the doctor, Jehovah Shammah. When you're a deer caking, you see him making bad decisions and you're like, ah, Jehovah Shama. When you're hurting so bad you don't know what to do, Jehovah Shama. When the storms blow so hard and you think you're going to drown, Jehovah Shama. When you're afraid about the future, what's going to happen now, Jehovah Shama. God is with you. Look at verse, uh, chapter 43. Two chapters over from Isaiah 41. Look at Isaiah 43, verse 2. The Lord is speaking to you right now and He says this. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not... Overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Jehovah Shama, you guys. Listen, as we come to a close here, understand clearly this is all this connection we have to God through Jesus Christ. We're no longer enemies. And what God with us and in our life we have peace and he's with us we're not alone and connected being connected to jesus that makes all the difference we said the world bases its peace on its resources while god's peace depends on relationship i like that it's that relationship so keep that relationship strong with the lord because it's Jesus that will make that difference of peace in your life and God's strength in your life. And knowing and having that security that Jehovah Shammah, that God is with you. I'll close with this. A, a father was trying to read a magazine uh, but was bothered by his daughter. Who kept asking him what the United States looked like. On the back of the magazine, he found a map of the country, and so he tore it up into real small pieces and told her to go in the other room and put it back together. He thought, well, this would keep her busy for a a long time so he could finish reading his magazine. Well, in less than five minutes, his daughter was back with the map completely put together. He was surprised and asked her, how did you do this? How did you put, you know, he tore it up in these pieces. How did you do that? Well, she said this. It was easy. On the other side of the paper was a picture of Jesus. And when I got Jesus back where he belonged, then the country just came together. That says so much even right now, right? With our nation. But, but it says also much for our lives and having Jesus in our lives. When you have Jesus in your life, when he's, he's completely back together in in your life where He belongs, then you know what? Everything else comes back together. For when we have Jesus, we're connected to Jesus, and then we have Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is your peace, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is ever present. So how wonderful it is to know these next two of the seven names of God. Let's pray. Jesus, You are our life. God, we we are nothing without you, God. I pray for anyone here in this room and maybe connected online that have drifted away and it's time, God, to put you where you belong and that is to be our Lord, our Savior, our, our King. Lord, that we would certainly surrender our lives, God. Lord, with you, Jesus, we have everything. And so, Lord, I pray that that would be first and foremost on our mind, God. Lord, just as Gideon found joy, Lord, in in that he didn't die, but he was able to see you, Jesus, without that. God, give us joy that we have you in our lives, God. Just that simple fact, God, should give us so much joy, peace, security, comfort, And trust that, Lord, you will never leave us nor forsake us and nothing can separate us from your love, Lord. No trial or tribulation. No crazy things going on in the nation or country. No, nothing, Lord. Help us to focus in on that very fat God. So, Lord, I pray for each one of us right now that you would be, Lord, our Jehovah Shalom. Bring peace right now, deep into our souls, Lord. Be our Jehovah Shama, ever-present. Knowing that you're there gives us that peace and comfort. We are secure in your arms, Lord, for you're ever-present in our lives. It's you, Lord Jesus. It's you that we look to right now. Thank you, God, for being here. For being here right now. Thank you for your presence. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.